You are Locked On Rockets, your daily Houston Rockets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Now that's more like it. A game after shooting 11 of 40 from three, and two games after a subpar performance against the Warriors, also below 30%, that led to the only loss in the last 12 games for the Rockets. Houston snapped out of it in a big way on Sunday night at home against the Minnesota Timberwolves, shooting 21 of 50, 42% collectively from behind the arc, leading the way to a 117-102 win that wasn't even as close as the final score might indicate. The Rockets were up by 24 with two and a half minutes left, and Minnesota cut into that margin in garbage time. Overall, it was exactly what you would like to see the Rockets, now 44-26 and 26 on the year, and winners, as stated, of 11 of their past 12 games do. They went out, and especially at home, took care of business against the Minnesota team that, even though they have Carl Anthony Towns, who's one of the NBA's better young bigs, the Rockets are a better team. There's a reason Minnesota, with the loss, fell to 32-38. and 38. They're not bad. But the Rockets are better. And finally, rather than having to make excuses for why the game was a little bit closer than you would like it to be, the Rockets went out and put their foot on the gas in the second half, blew the game wide open, and coasted to a relatively comfortable win. Again, their 11th in the past 12 games. So with that, welcome in to another happy postgame episode of Locked on Rockets, your home for daily podcast commentary on all things Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host, Ben DuBose, Rockets correspondent with Sports Talk 790, the team's official radio flagship in Houston. Tonight's episode on this Sunday evening is brought to you courtesy of our friends and partners over at MyBookie. Deposit with MyBookie today at mybookie.ag with the promo code LOCKEDONNBA, and you can get an initial 50% sign-up bonus. So as we chat this Sunday evening, as stated, the Rockets are winners again, their second consecutive victory after the Golden State loss. 11th of 12 overall, that improves them to 44 and 26 on the season. Now alone in third place in the Western Conference playoff standings, not just by virtue of playing more games, but now with Oklahoma City and Portland both losing on Saturday night, there's actually a gap in the loss column. Houston at 26 losses, Portland at 27, the Thunder at 28. The Spurs actually are just three games back at 29, and they come to Houston on Friday. That might be a team to kind of keep your eye on because they have a relatively easy closing schedule. The Rockets, hopefully at home, will be able to take care of business on Friday as well. We'll have a lot of time this week to look ahead to that game, the standings. Tonight, we're going to keep it largely about what the Rockets did well against Minnesota, and the answer is a lot. Because Minnesota is a very competitive team. Carl Anthony Towns, he's taken a big step forward, even relative to a year ago when the Rockets played Minnesota in the first round of the playoffs. That was a Minnesota team led by Tom Thibodeau and Jimmy Butler, neither of whom is around anymore. But Carl Anthony Towns has had a lot of success a week and a half ago. They won by double digits over Oklahoma City. They can put up points. And for the Rockets to limit them to 102, even in the first half, they limited them to 49 points, a sub-100 pace. And that was when the Rockets weren't connecting largely from three-point range. Houston up just 50 to 49 at the half, in large part because of the defense. And then in the second half of the game, The shots started falling, and at that point, you combine that with a consistent defensive effort, and you get the result. 
The Rockets have now held their opponents below 45% shooting in six of the last seven games. This is a Houston team that, by and large, for the season as a whole, has been in the bottom 10, sometimes bottom 5 in the league by that metric. So the communication is better. The personnel is now better as well with the return of Chris Paul. Daniel House Jr. having another successful game back. We'll talk about him and plenty of others as we move our way through our three points recap. We'll also discuss Clint Capella, who, even though Carl Anthony Towns had a solid game, 22-10 and 10 in his 29 minutes, but he shot just 8-22 to 22 from the field. A lot of that had to do with Clint Capella playing fairly well. He had a couple of off games against Boogie Cousins with the Warriors and then DeAndre Ayton with the Suns. Tonight, Capella, just as he did in the playoffs a year ago against Carl Anthony Towns, took a big step forward, 20 points, 13 boards, a much more efficient 8-11 of 11 from the field. James Harden, his fourth consecutive game with double-figure assist, 20-10, and 10, shot just 8 of 24. Let's give Josh Okogie some credit. Young rookie for the Wolves has played some of the best individual defense that I've seen on James Harden all season long. Harden was also questionable going in with a neck strain, so I don't know that he was exactly at 100% either. Ultimately, though, it didn't matter because, first off, he was 4 of 12 from behind the three-point arc. Well, all four of his makes were on catch-and-shoots, which are really rare for James Harden. It speaks to the ball movement that the Rockets have. In the game, they had 29 assists. And the reason for that, oh, they had 10 assists of those 29 from Chris Paul, who in addition to those 10 assists and 7 rebounds, oh, he also led the way with 25 points on 8 of 12 shooting and 6 of 7 from behind the three-point arc, plus 26 in his 29 minutes. To go plus 26 and not even play 30 minutes is pretty astounding, but that's what Chris Paul does. And here off the top in segment one, that's what we're going to discuss because he led the team in scoring. He was second or tied for the lead, excuse me, with 10 assists. And the plus minus differential, plus 26 and 29 minutes, it reflects just how well he played. The seven rebounds is something I'm tracking with him as well because his first 31 games of the year, and that goes back to October... November, December, and a little bit of January, right after coming off the shelf, he was averaging four rebounds per game in about 32 minutes per game. And basically the same number of minutes in his last 15 games, he's now over six rebounds per game. So for a guy of his size, a point guard, to jump by more than two rebounds per game, that tells you that he's feeling pretty good. It just comes down to whether he has the springs in his now 33-year-old legs his 14th season in the NBA, to keep those going over the balance of an 82-game slate. When he was struggling with the hamstring, that's one area. And in December, I looked it up, he was particularly weakest on the glass, just 2.8 rebounds per game in December. That was after he first strained the hamstring and before he went out with the grade 2 that he suffered in Miami. And I think his rebounding is correlated strongly with his springs, and that was when he suffered most. Well, since coming back, he looks healthy. That's one reason why I never really worried, even though I believe his last seven or eight games going into tonight, he was just 27% from three. The way he was rebounding the ball, even had a couple of double-doubles in there with rebounds, it made me feel comfortable that he was still himself, he was still moving well. Just sometimes, even if you are healthy, you're going to have peaks and valleys with your three-point shot. It's volatile. You just need time to let it even out. And tonight, it was not only time and sample size evening out, he also had Friday night off to rest. So he came back healthy, rejuvenated. Last week he had a 3-4 and four stretch. But even at the end of that 3-4 and four stretch, we'll make some of it out to be rest, and that's true, but that's not really the whole story because he was also really brilliant, 24-6, and six, against the Warriors in some dynamic individual and certainly collectively as a team defense from Golden State. 
He put up 24 and 6 on better than 50% shooting. That was a really strong game, even though that was the third game in four nights. Tonight, he came back rested. I think that's part of the story. He's more springy. Generally speaking, though, I think since coming off the shelf, assuming he stays healthy, he's looked much, much better. And even if the shot is not there for a few games, that happens to anyone. The fact is, he's still been moving well. And as long as he's moving well, then the technique that comes with his jump shots eventually that's going to come around, assuming health, and in my opinion, even more than just the fact that he was rested, that's part of the story. Ultimately, though, I think it's just really the combination of his health and his just continuing to get back into rhythm, the routine that he's gotten himself in over the past six weeks since coming back in late January after missing over a month with the hamstring strain. All of those things are coming together. He is himself again, and even at 33 years old, Even in year 14, he is still playoff CP3. He is still that guy when the Rockets need him to be. And on a night that James Harden, 20 and 10, the top line stats will look fine, but he shot just 8 of 24 from the field. Some of it was Josh Okoge, quality defense from the Minnesota rookie. Beyond that, though, look, he's playing with a straight neck. He was not 100%. He was out there because the Rockets needed him to be. And as mentioned, the margins, while the Rockets are alone in the three spot in the Western Conference right now, That's a big deal because you want to play a team like the Spurs, the Clippers, the Jazz, as opposed to, in my opinion, in Oklahoma City or Portland. Although, who knows, at the rate that Oklahoma City is dropping games, maybe they fall back into the 6-8 through mix. We'll see. I still tend to think that Oklahoma City is too top-heavy to really be in the 6-8 through range after 82 games. If they do, we'll talk about that in the days ahead. As far as what the Rockets knew entering tonight's game, though, They're not at a point in the standings where it's like a year ago and they had a comfortable lead for the number one and that you can be super proactive with every injury. No, they needed Harden out there. And even if he shot just 8 of 24 from the field, he did have 10 assists. His attention does a whole heck of a lot. And ultimately, if you had even a B version of James Harden with Chris Paul, that's going to be enough to overwhelm a lot of teams around the NBA, even a decent one. Minnesota 32-38, and 38, and a lot of the struggles came early in the season. They have had some nice wins the past couple of months. We mentioned just a week and a half ago, they beat Oklahoma City by double digits. There's a lot of talent led by Carl Anthony Towns. Fortunately, even on a night that James Harden was not at his best, 20 points, 10 assists, 8 of 24 shooting, and of his four threes, 4 of 12 overall, the ones he made were catch and shoots, which tells you they were created by someone else. Well, many times, that someone else was Chris Paul, either directly or indirectly, because he was able to help break down the defense with the initial pass or blow by, whatever it may be. And then James Harden got the catch-and-shoot threes, which he has not gotten nearly enough of this year because of all the heavy lifting he's had to do with the injuries. So if Chris Paul can give you what he did tonight, 25-10-7, and and no, he's not going to shoot 6-7 of from 3 every game, but if that version of Chris Paul is out there, the Rockets are lethal because they beat a pretty good Minnesota team comfortably, even with James Harden not playing all that well. That's what an elite CP3 means. That's what the Rockets have largely had since he's coming back. And I think as long as he stays healthy, and of course he gets more rest in the playoffs as we've talked about, I do believe that it's something you can continue to expect. Maybe not the 6 of 7, I think that's an outlier. But by and large, the Chris Paul that you've seen over the past 15 games or so, well, that's a lot more reflective of who Chris Paul is going to be in the playoffs than what you saw over the first 31 games, whatever it was, before he went out with the grade 2 hamstring strain. The rebounding tells part of the tale, but the overall impact, clearly his shooting has bounced back. 
He's getting James Harden more looks. And, you know, a, a little nitpick you could throw with the Rockets. I saw some of the stats, the Ringer article last week that we referenced the future that Chris Paul and James Harden, their time together has not been as dominant as it was a year ago. And the implication was that Chris Paul has been pretty good with the second unit, leading that the way he did a year ago. Of course, the Rockets stagger the minutes. But with Chris and James, not as dominant as you would expect. Tonight it was. You mentioned the four catch-and-shoot threes that James had, and to what degree it wasn't dominant was largely because James Harden couldn't throw it in the ocean. Chris Paul got James Harden many of the 20 points that he got, as mentioned, 12 of them, on four catch-and-shoot threes. So the bottom line, Chris Paul was the star of the game. 25 points, 10 assists, 7 rebounds. The Rockets were actually, in this game, minus 10 on the glass in the first 15 minutes. And they ended up being only minus 8 for the game, which tells you for the final 33. They actually out-rebounded Minnesota. They turned it around. Clint Capella, Nene, they played a key role. But when your point guard, one of the smaller guys on the floor, is your second leading rebounder with 7, yeah, that's a pretty big deal. And, of course, it speaks to not just the efficiency, but the health, the energy that Chris Paul plays with. And when they get that version of Chris Paul, even if James Harden isn't quite himself, it's probably going to be enough to win. Now, we'll get back into the show momentarily and talk about some of the individuals beyond Chris Paul that had a key role tonight. When you beat a quality Minnesota team by 15 points and easily could have been 20 or 25, a lot of things went right. We'll talk about those other individuals in segment two and segment three of our usual three points recap. But for now, I do want to pause and acknowledge our awesome sponsors over at MyBookie because without support of great sponsors like those guys, we would not be able to bring this show to you as frequently as we do, the only daily podcast covering Houston Rockets basketball. And folks, the first weekend of the NCAA tournament, well now it's only about 72 hours away, and it is the greatest betting event of the entire year. Brackets are out as of earlier tonight. If you're a University of Houston fan, which I suspect many of our audience here at Lockdown Rockets, I'm guessing many of you are, they're number three seed, they play Friday night. So if you want to pick those guys, or if you're picking anybody else, if you just want to fill out a bracket, pick the national champion, pick those first-round upsets, or all of the above, MyBookie is the perfect home for you as the March Madness fan. Will Zion Williamson and his teammates at Duke cement their legendary run with a title? Can Virginia get past its loss to a 16-seed UMBC a year ago and turn it around? And can Kentucky get back to the Final Four? If you know the answers, or even if you don't, MyBookie is the perfect place to get in on the action. Of course, they've got NBA games you can bet on as well. They really do have something for everyone, and that's right, even you, multiple bracket guy. They've been in business for years, and MyBookie, their goal, it's to give you the best customer service in the business. The best part is, they pay out fast when you win. I'm talking within 48 hours. So bet with the best, then kick back and enjoy March Madness while you watch your picks cash. To take advantage, deposit with MyBookie today and use the promo code LOCKEDONMBA for a 50% sign-up bonus. That's promo code LOCKEDONMBA. Remember, with MyBookie, and you can find them at mybookie.ag, they've got a mobile-friendly site as well, you play, you win, and you get paid. So, as we get back to Sunday evening's recap of the 117-102 win, the Rockets posted over Minnesota, it's Houston's 11th victory in the last 12 games. Houston improves to 44-26 and 26 on the year, alone in the number three spot in the Western Conference. Minnesota falls to 32-28. We spent segment one of our usual three points recap talking about Chris Paul, who was the leading scorer with 25 points. He also tied for the, the team lead and assists with 10. So many things. This was a hashtag playoff CP3 game and a rematch of the round one playoff series a year ago 
between the Rockets and the Wolves. Minnesota, it should also be mentioned, did not have Jeff Teague and Derrick Rose, so clearly that's a advantage at the point guard spot for the Rockets with Chris Paul, and boy, did he go out there and take advantage. Eric Gordon made four of his 11 threes with 12 points as far as Houston's, I would say, third guard. I know he technically starts at the small forward spot right now, but you can throw him into the mix with Chris Paul and James Harden. Harden had 20 points, 10 assists, as we mentioned in segment one, but shot just 8 of 24 from the field. A lot of really good defense from Josh Okogie, the Minnesota rookie, although James did have 10 assists, double-figure assists for the fourth consecutive game after having just one of those over the past couple of months before this recent stretch. Of course, a lot of it corresponds with the Rockets returning to health. And one way that you can see the Rockets were healthy, they got this win actually resting two of their usual rotation regulars, that being Austin Rivers and Kenneth Fareed. Mike D'Antoni said after the game there was no injury in either case. Some of it, though, is the reality that now that they've got Daniel House Jr. back, the Rockets are truly 10 or 11 deep. They played nine guys tonight. I'm excluding Gary Clark, who played three minutes in garbage time. But you look at the five starters, the usual four, plus Eric Gordon at the three, and then Daniel House, Iman Shumpert, Gerald Green, Nene off the bench. That's nine guys, and that's even without Austin Rivers and Kenneth Fareed. Quite frankly, I'm not sure if Fareed would have played anyway, because I think it's still a bit unclear as to whether Fareed is actually going to get minutes at the power forward spot in the playoffs. I think that's still very much an experiment. My guess is that Nene, after not playing the last three games, and the Rockets going up against Carl Anthony Towns tonight, they wanted a bigger body, more physical, and even though Nene played just 18 minutes, I do think he was impactful against Carl Anthony Towns. Again, the Rockets held Cat to 22 points on just 8 of 22 shooting, so this was a reason that they wanted to throw Nene in. Maybe they would have against Boogie Cousins as well, but maybe they were trying to save that for the playoffs. Who knows? Ultimately, though, while Capella took a step forward, we'll talk about him in a little bit, Nene's 18 minutes were impactful as well, and if Nene is playing the backup five minutes, I don't know with Daniel House Jr. back and Iman Shumpert playing well, as he did tonight, if it's a lock that Kenneth Fareed is going to play the minutes at the backup four. Now he can in the right matchup. In the case of Minnesota, though, this was a team in the Rockets' trail for a lot of the first half. They did have to overcome a slow start in this game, not just shooting. That's part of it. The Rockets ended up at one point making 10 of their first 14 from three in the third quarter for the game. They ended up shooting just 21 or 21 of 50 overall, which was a huge reversal from shooting just 27% on Friday against the Suns and barely better than that last Wednesday in the loss to the Warriors, the only loss the Rockets have had in their last 12 games. So, of course, some of it comes down to shooting. But beyond that, Minnesota is a larger team, and Houston had actually lost the first two games of this matchup one in December, one last month, the last game before the All-Star break. And this was a Minnesota team that a year ago, even with Jimmy Butler, the Rockets had their way with, including a four games to one gentleman sweep in the playoffs. And you wonder what's really different. And throughout the first half of the game, again, Minnesota was leading. A lot of it had to do with the rebounding. And as mentioned, Minnesota was a plus 10, not even 15 minutes into the game. Now, the Rockets thankfully won it over the final 33 minutes. They made some nice in-game adjustments. The energy picked up, and of course, you make shots. It's amazing what that can do for your collective energy on the other end of the floor. Sometimes, though, it just comes down to needing bigger bodies. And with Kenneth Fareed as a small ball five, there are going to be some matchups where you need Nene and his presence, especially what he can give you banging on the low block. 
So it's not a given that Fareed's going to play ahead of Nene in all matchups, especially against Carl Anthony Towns, more of a traditional big in terms of his presence on the block. The Rockets turned to Nene, and even if Fareed weren't resting, I think that could have happened. It's not unforeseeable by any means. And now that you have Daniel House Jr. back, we talked a lot about him on Friday when he had 18 tying his season high, and of course the dagger three in the final minute of the game, well, he bounced back after doing that on Friday. Tonight he had 14 points, 7 rebounds, which tied with Chris Paul for the second most on the team in 28 minutes. And when he's healthy, he's six foot seven. He can be a small ball four. He did a lot of that way back in December and January before he went out and before we had this two-month contract dispute. So now that you have Daniel House back and available as a small ball four, now that you've got Iman Shumpert, who played 31 minutes tonight, had seven points, six rebounds, but I think the stat line doesn't do justice to Shumpert's impact. I thought he looked as good as he has all season with the Rockets in terms of how comfortable he was. He was handling the ball. He was probing the paint some. Of course, he hit a three. He just looked very fluid. and Defensively, he was a real difference maker. So if you have Shumpert at the win spots playing well, if you have House, who at six foot seven is really only an inch shorter than Kenneth Freed, and of course, on top of everything he can give you in terms of athleticism, versatility, he can shoot threes really well. He's two or three from behind the arc. Kenneth Freed cannot match him from that standpoint. Also, a couple of assists. I think House is an underrated passer. It's not a given that Fareed is going to be in your rotation every playoff game or every playoff series. To some degree, it's going to be assuming health dependent on the matchups. And I think that's part of why the Rockets kind of experimented on that front tonight because Minnesota is a team, the type of matchup with Carl Anthony Towns where you might want to see, of course, Dene up front, a bit more traditional in that way. And of course, at the other spots, maybe a little bit more overall athleticism, which Shumpert and uh, Daniel House Jr. can provide. So I think that's kind of why Fareed didn't play. Some of it's rest. He has had the adductor strain that he's been recovering from. But some of it, too, I think the Rockets are trying to experiment. Mike D'Antoni said it before Friday's game, and you may have others down the stretch of the year where there are other guys who don't play. Because the reality is that even though Fareed and Austin Rivers, and Rivers has been playing 25 minutes per game roughly as your top perimeter defender, well, now that you've got both Shumpert healthy and Daniel House, all of a sudden you've gone from Rivers as the only guy you can trust to deny dribble penetration to now with House back and hopefully if Shumpert is healthy, well, you've got three of those, then you're less dependent on Rivers as well. Now, that's not saying that you can trust the rotation without Rivers, I think especially because Rivers not only is a good defender, but he's also someone that can play the backup point and handle the ball. I'm not saying it's easy to take him out of the rotation the same way it is Fareed because his ball handling relative to Shumpert and House is a bit more of a unique skill set than whatever Fareed has. Now, Fareed has a rebounding advantage, but if you have Nene up front in addition to Capella, then maybe you can live without Fareed's rebounding a little bit more than you could without uh, Austin Rivers' ball handling in this comparison. Tonight, though, they didn't have either Rivers and Fareed, and it was fine. House played 28 minutes off the bench well. I mentioned 14 points, 7 rebounds, 2 assists, 5 of 6 overall, 2 of 3 behind the 3-pointer. He continued what he did on Friday night. Then Iman Shumpert on Sunday, this was his best game. Played 31 minutes, 7 points, 6 boards, 3 assists. Mentioned his dribble penetration, which was as good as I've seen it in Houston. That's that's related to the 3 assists. He also had a couple of steals. He was impactful. Gerald Green finally got going. Boy, he was bad on Friday. Tonight, he at least made a couple of threes and ended up with... Nine points. So all of a sudden, this was a Rockets team that was nine deep tonight, even without Rivers and Fareed. And they say it's rest. 
And I'm sure that's part of it. Fareed, in particular, has had an injury of late in Rivers. We've seen him with various things with his shooting elbow and his shooting hand. Rest can't hurt anybody. But now with the Rockets, assuming health, have 10 or 11 bodies that they can trust, I would expect this to continue. That's the benefit of getting Daniel House Jr. back the first day that he was back, which was Wednesday against the Warriors, even though he didn't play in that game. We asked Mike Antonio for the game, and he said one of the benefits was that this would allow him to rest guys. It was Chris Paul on Friday, and of course, Chris being one of the stars of the team, that was really visible, an obvious benefit that you could slide House in tonight. House didn't start. Gordon stayed at the three, which I think, as long as he is relatively hot, he has cooled a bit the last two games, so we'll see how long it lasts. He did make four threes tonight, so it's not like Eric Gordon was bad. I do still think there's a shot that Daniel House could be your starter going into the postseason. I think right now they're riding Eric Gordon since it's been a bad year for him. As long as he's playing relatively well, you're not going to take him out of that role after as much as his downturn has been a big story this year. But whether House is off the bench or in the starting lineup, either way, his minutes are impactful. It gives you a lot of options. And tonight, you rusted Rivers and Fareed, and it didn't even really feel like that big of a deal because you still had nine bodies you could trust. They still felt deep. They won the starters minutes. They were pretty good off the bench. And again, that's without two of your regulars. That's depth. And if Daniel House is here to stay, which certainly he should be now that he's under contract and we're two games in, but he definitely looks like the same guy, if not better than what he was in December and January. If we have that version of Daniel House Jr. back and now Iman Shumpert is healthy and coming around, then yeah, it's amazing how many options Mike D'Antoni has. Of course, it helps from a rest perspective, which I do think we saw a more rested Chris Paul tonight that had at least some correlation with his uptick in performance. But overall, I think it's really rewarding that the Rockets could rest two of their regulars, Rivers and Fareed, and not even really feel the impact all that much. So, of course, it speaks to House and Shumpert and the roster, what Gerald Morey has done putting this together. And down the road, it just tells you that the Rockets have a lot more options than we thought. I'm not going to say that, well, this is the way forward because... Look, it's one game. I just think it speaks very well, again, to the job that Daryl Morey has done and the fact that as we head to the postseason, assuming health, yeah, the Rockets may have some quality players that can't even get playoff minutes because that's how good and how deep this roster suddenly is. And I thought that was on strong display in Sunday night's win over the Timberwolves. Even James Harden shooting just 8 of 24 from the field, nowhere near peak form. Rockets won comfortably. Part of it had to do with Chris Paul being back, and some of it had to do even with Austin Rivers and Kenneth Freed out, the Rockets just had that much depth, that many quality two-way options, both offense and defense. And over 48 minutes, Houston was just the superior team. And that's what we've been wanting them to show. Sunday night, they did that. They took advantage of a Minnesota team that, while decent at 32 and 28, they're not as good as the 44 and 26 Rockets. And over 48 minutes, we saw why. Final thoughts as we close out Sunday evening's podcast. We spent a lot of the first two segments talking about Chris Paul, James Harden, the bench, the newfound depth, with Iman Shumpert playing one of his best games, along with Daniel Wilhouse Jr. sustaining what he did on Friday, backed up his 18 points, tying a season high, including the dagger, the key block that should have been NBA, by the way, since Friday's game, did confirm that that was a blown call. It was a clean block. Ultimately, though, even without getting credit for the block, House still did the job with that chase down in the final minute against Phoenix because rather than give up a dunk that would have cut the lead to one, it forced Josh Jackson to the free throw line and Josh Jackson missed both of the free throws. And because he missed the two free throws, everybody in the stands got free Chick-fil-A. So perhaps it's even better than the block when you consider the hunger deeds of 16,000 Houstonians. So we know what House did on Friday. Was it just the momentum, the scene, everything as happy as it was on Friday? 
No, he's just that good of a basketball player. There's a reason why he shot 48% from three in his last 12 games as a starter. And, of course, he showed it again on Sunday night, even though he transitioned to a bench role. Chris Paul back in the starting lineup. Eric Gordon staying as the starting three, as long as he's playing relatively well. House went to the bench. Didn't matter. 14 points, 7 assists, 5 of 6 overall, 2 of 3 from behind the arc. Combine that with Iman Shumpert playing one of his best games on both ends of the floor with the Rockets. And... Houston just had more quality basketball players than Minnesota. And the depth for a Rockets team whose season to this point has largely been defined by a lack of depth and having to depend on James Harden to be Superman to build him out. Well, even with James Harden going against a quality defender in Josh Okoge and limited by the neck injury, just 8 of 24 from the field, apparently Harden's neck, nothing they're really worried about, but he did re-aggravate it. That's what caused him to miss the game against the Warriors last month on one of the hard fouls that DeAndre Ayton gave him in the fourth quarter on Friday, we mentioned a couple of them on our post-game show, including one which his head bounced off the floor. Well, even though he was able to go, and I don't want to say all of it was the injury, some of it was just a Kogi, a really good defender, one of the best I've seen all year long against him. Didn't matter, because the Rockets are a lot deeper. Now they have Chris Paul in peak form, and even though Paul, uh, even though Harden was 4 of 12 overall from behind the three-point arc, he's actually 4 of 4 on catch and shoots, and of course that speaks to the fact that now he finally has help that can do a lot of the creation. So, to me, that's by far the biggest story. But one little thing that went underneath the radar, but we shouldn't forget, Clint Capella against Carl Anthony Towns. This was a matchup the Rockets owned in the postseason, and since then, Cat has actually taken a step forward. Perhaps it's because Jimmy Butler, Tom Thibodeau, they're out, and now it's clearly his team. Either way, even though Minnesota, they've had a lot of injuries, it also had, for at least the first six weeks or so of the year, all the turmoil going around with the Jimmy Butler situation. Regardless of the reason, though, of course... They're a sub-500 team overall, but there's certainly talent. Carl Anthony Towns, in particular, a guy who's an all-star for a reason. He is a beast on the low block. And this past week, even though Clint Capella for the season as a whole, it's certainly been year five, one of growth for Clint, averaging 17 points a game, 12.5 rebounds, 1.6 blocks, and by far a career-best 34 minutes per game. It's been a huge step forward for him. He's shooting nearly 64% from the field. All of that is tremendous. But from a micro view rather than a macro, this past week, Boogie Cousins went for 27-8, and eight, and too often Cousins bullied Capella on the low block. DeAndre Ayton went for 17-14 and 14 on Friday, had a better stat line than Capella did. That's the rookie, the top pick out of Arizona. And when it really mattered, it was James Harden doing the heavy lifting on the low block and using the sand in his pants, to use the analogy, rather than Capella to keep Aiton away from the bucket. So I don't think that's anything to worry about, because by and large, Capella's actually been tougher this year than he ever has been. I think, if anything, either it's randomness, or perhaps during his five and a half weeks off with the thumb surgery, he got a little bit lighter weight-wise than what he had been, and there is a month left until the playoffs, so if that is an issue, well, he's got plenty of time to gain back his strength playing in games, or in the weight room, I think he'll be fine, because... Really, through January, it was the best stretch of his career by far. Tonight, though, against a guy who's been perhaps the most dominant offensive big in the game this season and someone who clearly, after Cousins and Aiton, I would say, no disrespect to those guys, but Towns is clearly better, to have Capella go for 20-13 and 13 on one end on 8-11 of 11 shooting and then on the other help limit Towns to 8-22 of 22 shooting. Had 22 points, but it all came on high volume. It's a really encouraging bounce back from Clint Capella. I'm not going to say that the worries are completely gone because this is just one game. In the grand scheme, though, when you look at his season, what Clint Capella gave you tonight has much more in common with the Clint Capella we have seen, really, I would say 90% plus of his 2018-2019 campaign. 
last week was not encouraging, especially Boogie and Ayton. At the end of the day, though, those are two games. Those are outliers. And Sunday against Towns, it reminded you that the Capella we saw for really the entire season before those last two games, that's the guy we had grown to love. And we saw as an all-star, potentially, before he went out with the sum surgery. To me, that is the real Clint Capella. Last week was an outlier, and Sunday, much more comparable to the guy that we saw really before the last two games against the Warriors and the Suns. Not going to say that the concerns are completely gone after just one game. Ultimately, though, I think when you're looking at, well, two bad games versus the season's worth of evidence, I'm personally going to err on the season's worth of evidence, especially if the most recent game, which is tonight, is in line with that. It was. So Clint Capella, it was a brief blip. Tonight, though, against Carl Anthony Towns, a guy who he feasted on in the playoffs a year ago. A lot of us didn't know what to think going into the playoffs, and that was part of Clint Capella's breakout, that in the playoffs he took it to another level. Well, against that same guy they went up against in round one in the playoffs a year ago and held up surprisingly well, he did his job again. And so on top of Chris Paul being great, 25-10-7, on top of the depth, you then have the Rockets' center, Clint Capella, outplaying Carl Anthony Towns, and there's just no recipe for Minnesota to win that game. And that's why, ultimately, Houston won it, 117-102, to and led by as many as 24 points, with just two and a half minutes left in the game. So really, the final score did not even do justice as to just how much the Rockets controlled it, especially in the second half, and they blew it open from what was a one-point lead at the break to, again, up by 24, with just 2.30 remaining. So with that, that's where we'll break it on this happy Sunday evening. As always, I appreciate you guys so much for tuning in. And if you want more content before our next episode, the best place to get it is on Twitter, where you can find me, at Ben Dubose, simply my name, or you can follow the show, Locked on Rockets, simply at Locked on Rockets. Also, an email address, LockedOnRockets at gmail.com. If you've got questions about the team, suggestions for the show, advertising inquiries, you want to get in on the sponsor game, just like our friends at MyBookie were today, Remember, go to mybookie.ag, use the promo code LOCKDOWNNBA, and you can get a 50% initial sign-up bonus. Well, beyond that, if you want to support the show by doing that yourself with your business, and of course help out your business as well, email me, LOCKDOWNROCKETS at gmail.com, because we've got some great introductory specials. Beyond that, I mentioned our Twitter feeds, also website, LOCKDOWNROCKETS.com, Facebook account at facebook.com slash LOCKDOWNROCKETS. Always, you get in contact with me, ask me questions about the team, suggestions for the show, whatever it may be, don't hesitate to reach out would love to help improve this experience for you. Also, if you have not subscribed to the show already, please do. iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, subscribe, leave five-star reviews. You know the drill. That's how we look attractive to potential advertisers. Again, like today's sponsor, MyBookie. And even if you don't advertise yourself, that's how we can look attractive to the other advertisers and keep the business model rolling here at Lockdown Rockets as the only daily podcast covering Houston Rockets basketball. Also, if you like to listen via smart speakers, voice assistant providers, just say play podcast Locked on Rockets and you can get our entire archives, including our most recent episodes, that way as well. So with the plugs complete, this is where I will wrap up. Again, the very happy final from Toyota Center this Sunday evening. Rockets 117, Wolves 102, Houston improves 244 and 26 on the year. It's their 11th win in the last 12 games. How sweet it is. They are back in action Tuesday night in Atlanta to kick off a two-game back-to-back on the road first in Atlanta Tuesday evening, and then culminating Wednesday night in Memphis. So it's not going to be easy. Both of those teams, at least Memphis on the back end, has been surprisingly competitive of late, and that'll be night two of a road back-to-back. So it will be challenging. Schedule three games in four nights. It's not friendly. The Rockets, the good news, well, they're able to get rest games for guys like Kenneth Fareed and Austin Rivers tonight. Chris Paul on Friday. So hopefully, even as the schedule gets daunting from a logistics perspective, that's offset by the Rockets suddenly being 10 or even 11 guys deep. Whatever the case, though, for better or for worse, come back right here at Locked and Rockets, and we'll have the recaps for you 
on Tuesday and Wednesday evenings, because that's what we do here at Locked on Rockets, the only daily home for commentary on Houston Rockets basketball.